1: Chumba ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and like conditions apply. See website for details. Coming live from San Diego Comic Con. This is Comes Naturally Podcast. Special uh, edition today. I'm by myself. No Joe or Mike. So it's just Cody today. But I do have a special guest. Before we go to him, I'm going to tell you, hit us up like normal. Uh, Facebook.com, Comes Naturally Podcast. Up on Twitter, at Comes Natural Pod, And all the other stuff, will uh, you know, you'll find it there. But our special guest today is... Ryan Wynn. All right, Ryan. So a uh, couple quick things to kind of let everyone know who you are. We'll start kind of from the beginning. Um, just kind of give us a couple uh, cool things about what you've done, maybe some stuff you can they can look up and find, um, and then we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good to me. Hit it, buddy. Let's see. Well, I started off in the industry as an assistant
0: inker years and years ago. Uh, about 12 years ago, I, w- I started working for Danny Mickey. And he had come into the art store I worked at, and we always had guys come in that said they were comic artists, and I'd ask them what they work on, and they'd pull out their, their Xerox copies from their back pocket of their scratchy little comic that, you know, they drew up, and it was always a little disappointment. One day, this guy came in and said, yeah, I work on comics, and this and that. I said, what do you work on? I'm expecting it to be, you know. same old, something, same old. Yeah, something he pulls out of his pocket again. And, uh, lo and behold, he's Danny Mickey, and, and I knew him from his days, uh, Ink and Youngblood over Rob, and... Uh, at the at the time, he was inking Capullo on Spawn, so I knew who he was, and uh, he was getting ready to put uh, a studio together, and was collecting people. and I, you know, told him I was looking to get into the comic industry, and uh, that I was looking to start off as an inker because back then that's kind of how it was you came in as an inker and you trained and then you became a penciler now it's kind of you come in as an inker and you're an inker you come in as a penciler and you're, you're a, penciler. a penciler or something gotcha. it's like there's not really uh apprentice programs like there were or or bullpens in the way that uh, like marvel used to have so yeah. you know you'd come in and just you know day one you would be outlining the panels or things like that or spotting the blacks things like that um uh, so I thought, I thought it was a great opportunity, so I did up some samples, um, they were good enough for me to earn the right to come to the studio, and at that time, Capullo had just quit uh, after issue 100, Angel Medina had come on, it had been a few months since I'd done the samples, and uh, Danny was inking issue 104, and that was my first, my first inks were laid, ever were laid in that, and uh, the first thing I inked was a little tiny doorknob. Very nice. And uh, I don't know if
1: there's something symbolic about that. Of course, um, it looks like uh, I would say that is opening the door to your future, sir. You would say something like that. I would say something like <laughs> well, that. Well, you did, so yes. that's good.
0: Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a nice little, you know, easy opportunity to, you know, it wasn't stressful. You know, he's just like, just do these little things, use a template, here's how I do it. And I was like, okay, that's kind of how I'd been taught in school to do stuff. So it was just transferring my already learned knowledge to this medium. And so he turns his back and goes and sits at his desk. So I dip my pen, and I go to lay some uh, straight lines with a ruler. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ink part of the door frame now. I'm like, okay. A little bit more nervous now because I'm using the dip pen. And my hand shakes a little, and this drop just falls off the tip of the nib. And I swear, time froze. It, there was ice forming on me. I was growing old as this thing just fell and fell. And it was going towards, There's a little kid in the panel, and it was just going right towards his head and boop, right in the middle of his forehead. And I didn't cover up any line work or anything, but I splashed a penny-sized drop of black ink right in the middle of this board. And, you know, I've been going to Comic-Con since I was 12 years old, talking to artists, and so many guys, it was uh, they took pride in no whiteout on their page. I made no mistakes on this. I didn't do anything. There's no corrections. And here I was day one. So I went from no nervousness
1: to just shitting my pants. (laughs) So for the people who don't know out there, the process is you get pencils... From the the penciler artist, uh, and then the inker lays down the final solid images that you see. Uh, a lot of people call them tracers. They are, I would always refer to them as the uh, solidifier of the image. So you see the solid image that the inker actually makes, and then all the other sketch lines get erased. And if you're doing color stuff and you're trying to show what colors go where for your, for your color artist, uh, there are codes and stuff you'll see. But if you ever go, go to a comic convention or see real comic art from an actual uh, board that someone drew that eventually went into a thing, you'll see a lot of weird symbols and things that people use on there to show different sizes of sh- shapes and things like that, too. So a little insight on there for you as well. That's very um, good, yeah. So, uh, so you were inking for things like Spawn. Yeah, and so I just
0: became a background inker. He'd put two or three guys together. He had uh, Alan Martinez, who uh, went on and, and inked with him for, for years and years in the Crime Lab studio. And I think he just recently did, uh, in the last couple of years, he was doing like IDW's G.I. Joe and things like that. He also brought in Victor Olazaba, who a lot of fans will know from his Spider-Man run, inking Umberto Ramos, and things like that. So we had a really cool little fun group of guys, and we would all go and work at Danny's house. And actually, Victor lived in Mexico at the okay. time, in, in Tijuana, and he would take a train, take a bus, and then get a friend to drop him off at Danny's, and he'd stay the weekend, and then his friend would pick him up, take him to the bus station, take the bus to the train <laughs> station, and he'd go home, and uh, very dedicated, and it was, it was a lot of fun, so, uh, yeah, we did that for, you know, five or six years, and then I stepped away from the studio to, to uh, I started pursuing some design work and things like that. And I wasn't quite sure then if I was going to stick with comics. So I just started doing outside comic things here and there, getting hired for just just random little things like illustrate a book, like, uh, you know, random illustrations throughout a, a prose book, yeah. things like that, or even simple things like an instructional book on how to get through junior college. A professor at a I'll junior you, college okay. hired me to do these little, like, uh, do's and don'ts comic strips
1: of, you know. Don't smoke crack. Yeah, yeah, things do, like do that. Do homework yeah yeah that sort of stuff it gotcha okay uh, well
0: actually it was pretty funny there was even things like one of them was the girl is given money to go buy her books and instead she goes and gets a boob job i didn't write this this is just the this Fair english enough. professor was coming t- to me with these and uh, a good warning yeah so it was you know about how not to waste your parents money it was the message on that uh but, but so it was, it was fun to draw and things like that Uh and then John Levese, who's another well-known inker who is who was inked Tower Porter on the Flash. I worked on that as an assistant on that with him. He's inked. Uh, I mean, geez, just look up John Levese. You've you've seen him everywhere.
1: Yeah, gotcha.
0: And so he called me up out of the blue. He'd gotten my number from Danny, and uh, he knew I wasn't that busy. So he's like, "Hey, do you want to you know come and assist me on some stuff?" And we did some like, not Call of Duty. I think that was it called. Jeez, I don't know, Nick Fury and Shield had a, a series I, I know Call of Duty is the video game, but it yeah. had some kind of title like that. It was a weird little spin-off, but uh, Steve Olaf was penciling it. And uh, I went and helped him out on that and he liked it enough that when he got picked up to Ink Howard Porter on the Flash, and Jeff Johns was writing that, he asked me to be the full-time assistant on that, and I jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, uh, wouldn't I mean, Really, yeah. And, I mean, and even at the time, Jeff Johns wasn't the Jeff Johns that he is yeah. now, but he was still a phenomenal writer. Yeah. And the things that they said they had planned with the Rogues Gallery, I was just like, no. The Flash is—he's one of the few DC characters that, as a kid, even though I was a Marvel kid, the Flash and Batman, I thought, were just badass.
1: Of course, yeah. yeah. So
0: any opportunity to work with the Flash, and I love his Rogues Gallery. They're just that, just that—I don't know—classic old comic book villains They're, done right. Yep. And so yeah, we did that for a few years, and he and Joe Weems were studio mates, so I ended up working with Joe Weems and assisted him on things like Hunter Killer, anything with anything with Mark Silvestri. Yeah uh, I, I got good enough that he asked me to do backgrounds when Grant Morrison was writing X-Men and Mark Silvestri came in to do the last few issues. and so I got to do a lot of the backgrounds on that, and that was. That was sort of the the project where I was like, okay, I, not only can I do this, but
1: I really want to do this. Yeah, it's like the like turning point where like <laughs> yeah. not just it's no longer a, 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 a just a job; it's a it, you can see a career building from it. Exactly,
0: and and not even like uh, well, I mean, yes, exactly that, but also it was just that oh, wait, if I can keep doing this, then I can work on projects with people like this. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, because there's so many projects, especially when early on. I took tons of indie indie books. Like, even when I was inking for Danny Mickey, like, just doing backgrounds, I would do independent work. Like, uh, for Image, I inked something, Runes of Ragnon over uh, Josh Meadows, who, okay. who who has passed away, who has since passed away. Uh, we became friends. He was a great artist. And... uh you know, from that, I did some other indie things, and, and Josh had always been the only one that was was good. I did all these other uh, things, but then as an assistant, I was getting to work on, you know, Silvestri, on a Grant Morrison book, and these kind of things. So I was like, okay, so let's stay focused. Let's keep pushing forward and see what other fun stuff can come down the pipeline, you know? And so after that, I actually started... Uh, Purchase necessary prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details I reached out to Top Cow and I, I've always just had good luck with good luck and good timing um, I, I work hard and I hope that that's the, the benefit is the, the good luck and the good timing but I had just wrapped up uh, a bunch of work with Joe and I was kind of looking for new projects and I hit up Top Cow and I was like hey are you guys looking for a decent inker you know I, I worked with this guy I worked with this guy. And no joke, Rob Le- uh, Rob Levin, who was the editor at the time, uh, he was like, "Actually, we're start we're rebooting the Darkness. Uh, Phil Hester's writing it. We've got this newcomer, Michael Brissard, drawing it. And I'm looking for a monthly inker for that. Would you mind doing some samples?" I threw a sample together that night, got it back to him. Uh, they put me on a backup story, or no, one shot, a butcher one shot, with uh, with Michael Broussard to you know see how we work together. Just Besides a sample test. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, you know, we got that and it, it worked great. Michael loved my stuff. And I was local enough where I could go to the Top Cow studio and we could we could work together. So that was my first uh, official solo gig. Not part of a studio, not, not an assistant, assistant yeah. doing all the, all the work myself. And uh, it was also probably one of the funnest projects I've ever worked on. Really? Um, Phil just had a phenomenal
1: story going. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so with that random question... When you're working on something like uh, that for Top Cow, and you have that opportunity, you are you are the last step, essentially. You know what I mean, like on the board. You mean yep, on the like, board. Yeah. So like, w- was the pressure that gr- much much greater? Was it? Did you feel more pressure, or was it because the the project was it easier to do than that assistant one, where you had to make sure you got this section done so he could do an- the main section or characters.
0: Oh, actually, uh, Danny did such a good job of training us that our confidence levels were through the roof. We okay. weren't we weren't cocky, but he had he had instilled in us the fundamentals. Gotcha. To to get through things confidently, so it it actually it got to the point, um, yeah, around then where there wasn't that much pressure on me. I didn't feel pressure. It felt like a, like fun and exciting. That. that- Felt pressure it, at, at the time. Nowadays, I feel pressure all the time. That's just deadlines way down on you and things like that. But at the time, it was still it was still new and exciting. It, it was still kind of fresh. Uh, and Danny had done Danny Mickey had done such a good job of training us in the studio. He, he'd instilled the confidence and the the fundamentals of inking in us that uh, by the time I got to that project, it wasn't a matter. It wasn't any different than doing backgrounds for him. Uh, when I started working for him, it well, you know, was a little nervous here or there. And yeah, it was of things like, you know, but these background lines up against the figure because I'm not going to ink the figure till later because sometimes it would have to just be oh, that dude. way. Okay. Sometimes he would ink the figures first and then we could do the backgrounds around it. And that's the easiest way. But the way deadlines and all of us working on pages work sometimes, it just means, you know, we're doing what we can to, gotcha. to move through it. Uh, so I, I kind of, yeah, I just, I felt... I felt just as confident, I, mean, I just felt like it was the same. It just it transitions, and things don't, you know. We change these projects over, but sometimes they don't feel that different because you're sitting in
1: the same desk. Gotcha. At your house, so same same area, just maybe different content.
0: Yeah, it's a different thing on the board, but sometimes it, it doesn't change the uh, the project doesn't feel that much different to me because uh, I haven't changed jobs in a sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not at a new office. It's there's you know, you're not doing those those From things point, like a new like job. Like it's
1: almost you're not. Because of the a- the aspect you're in, in the inking, you're not writing the story. You're not changing the story. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like it, it I would feel like I think it would feel more like, oh, it's just the same same thing, but with a different picture. Yeah, and I was excited
0: working on it because oh, sure. I had already uh, been a fan of Phil Hester's for years, and Michael Broussard was. Uh, I hate to call him like a Silvestri clone, but he at the time he was very much emulating Mark and that was kind of the style of the book. They wanted that. So gotcha. that's what we worked towards. And I I was he was studying Mark's pencils and I was studying Bat and Joe Weems yeah. inks over Mark and and sort of give, trying to give the a similar lushness. Even yeah. though those guys are just two phenomenal masters at what they do. I, I felt like, you <laughs> know, this is the darkness, this is had nothing but top artists working on it you know I I gotta I gotta do that but yeah it's weird when I look back maybe there was pressure and now I don't remember gotcha the the pressures and stuff
1: the the amount of pressure then is probably nothing equal to what you have now with deadlines and bigger things like that bigger projects yeah and at the time I hadn't even really put much thought
0: like forward thought into like my future down the line is a you know my career down the line things like that yeah you know you we talked to a Smart Anchor today, Dan Parsons, and mm-hmm. and he was he said some very insightful things that like even in my mid thirties now, things that things I should know about like when you go to work for maybe a company that's not one of the big two, like how do you gauge their longevity and things like that. And Dan's been in the business for a while, and he's a smart guy, and yep. and uh, we don't need to go into all all the things he said today, but it was you know it, I I learned from guys like that that are like oh look to the future, <laughs> like, exactly like yeah. let's let's plan ahead on this so. Uh, Yeah, I just was inking, you know, uh, inking like a madman. It would take us like 18 hours to, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18 hours to ink some of Michael's pages because I was being so anal about every line and everything had to be so perfect. And and he was doing the same thing, so I felt like I had had to, you know, treat his pencils in the same way. And uh, so, yeah, there was no pressure. Now I remember that there was pressure when we got to like issues five and six and we were falling behind on deadlines. Uh, which is just natural. That just it, it. Sometimes it's a result of editorial screwing up schedules and not keeping pencilers on task. Sometimes it's the the penciler screwing things up. Sometimes it's just life. And some you know cons add up. Somebody gets sick here, or there, things like that. And then we start having double our workload. And and that's that felt adds adds pressure. That like that was normal, yeah. added gotcha. pressure. And and I'm always so I. I'm so hard on myself about my, uh, the final product and things like that that uh, I, was, I wasn't really happy with the results of those last couple of issues, but they're fine. When I look back at them now, they're fine. It yeah. was, uh, I think it was the situation that made me think they, they were worse and stuff like that. It was more the, I wasn't happy with the experience at the time, you know, but that's a job. Yeah. That's how jobs are. Yeah, it happens. So, you got you good days and your bad.
1: All right. So, let's jump forward a little bit. Um, we'll go into a couple questions real quick sure so uh, when you were um, doing your thing and you're into the business already you've done countless books you've worked with a lot of different people uh, For we heard uh, just a bunch of stars already Um, when you go in to create your own stuff for example and we'll plug things like Death Betty but one of my favorites and I know I know you know it's coming oh no so hiding in time ugh what was... And we won't go into the nitty-gritty because I know, you know, it gets bad and things like that. We won't go that far. When it came to something like that, what was the difference between I'm inking this person's stuff uh, to I have to create everything that someone else has to go over with? Because right, I know you are doing your you, you were doing pencils. Uh, you did your own inks. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you actually had to hand it off to, to a colorist. Yes. So what is... That was your first time, right, mm-hmm. doing the arts all by yourself. Tell me a little bit about how that felt and what you went through. Well, I had always... I've always drawn my own comics, you know,
0: since I was a kid, just like so many other people. And then in my early 20s, I, I was working with a few different writers uh, at our regular job, you know, a regular whatever job we were working at, and I met some guys that were writers, and we would make our own comics. So I penciled and inked that stuff, and I kind of thought, you know... I need to practice, I need to get better, but I know what it takes. And uh, Image came to me uh, with a, a writer friend of mine that they had been working with, and, and he said he wanted to try to get me on the pencils, and Jim Valentino and Kristen Simon and Shadowline came to me. And we did some samples, and I was like, all right, cool, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. And it was reality hit, where it was like, oh, yeah, I've drawn some comics for myself, and I've done this style or I've tried this medium out but when it comes to are you ready to produce a professional comic book uh where you're designing everything you're creating the motifs the flow of the panel the you know everything is dependent on you I was not ready for that I was not
1: ready for that so in that it was a miniseries correct um the deadline was. How did the deadline work for that? Were you guys given a, this is when the first book ships, you have to have this many done by this point? Was it, or was there even like a, hey, get a bunch of, get all of it done, then we'll set release date. How did it work for that one?
0: Well, I thought since it was a, it's a no-pay gig, with Image, you get paid, you know, everyone else, you get paid after yep. the company makes a certain amount of money selling the book and this or that, and that's totally fair. If you make a badass book, you'll make some money. Exactly. You kick ass, you'll make some money for yourself and the company. Uh, I wasn't at this level yet. I was, I'm, it, it, I, was, I was not there yet. Uh, so, it, uh, <laughs> you got me so, I, I'm so not used to answering questions about this in my mind. I'm, I'm like losing track here of where I'm trying to go. Uh, what, what,
1: what was it that you asked? So, on it, so when you were doing deadlines uh, oh, and like that. Oh, about the schedule. Yeah. Yes, sorry how, sorry, how did that work? I mean, because I know normally in comics you have, you set up a project, be it your pencil or your ink or whatever you're doing, you have a certain time frame you have to meet, right? Yes. When, yes. when did that hit to the point where like, oh man... Are we going to make this date or did you have a thing where like you got all of it done and they said this now that this project is done are we going we're going to put it out How did it work for that one Gotcha and I'm sorry for straying it no, was no, like I know.
0: All, I'm recalling all this stuff It's all these things deep. popping in my head So yeah they, they hired me on we're going to do it and I told Okay round 2 name something that's not boring
1: a Laundry Ooh, a book club Computer solitaire
0: huh Ah
1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No
0: purchase necessary. group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Then I had a couple issues left to spawn that I was, I was inking. I was inking half the book at the time and Alan Martinez was inking the other half. And so I was like, okay, they'll probably let me finish this up and we'll start hiding in time in two, three months, you know, and we'll, uh, or if they need me to start it sooner, I'll just noodle on it here and there and we'll slowly build it up. And they called a week later and we're like, okay, here's the schedule. It's a monthly schedule. You have four weeks starting next week to get all, you know, four issues, what it was originally scheduled for. Get these four issues done and uh, get the covers done. All the, I'd done none of the character design, anything. So I had basically a week, plus I was inking Spawn full-time every day. So that that, uh, became a fun challenge. I always look at these things like, First of all, I'm an idiot. I should tell you, I'm a full-blown idiot. I look at these things, these challenges, and I'm like, all right, let's try to do that. Let's try to <laughs> not sleep and work too hard and be grumpy all the time and things like that. So I should have I should have I, I been more vocal. Um, I should have stood up for myself more. I should have said, no, this isn't going to work. But at the time, you know, you got someone coming to you and the Image wants me to draw a book yeah. for him. so Valentino.
1: You, yeah, I like mean, you have someone like... Valentino coming to you from Image who's yeah. at this point like they're on the verge of being the, the monolith they are now. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's where it comes from. Shadowline has some huge stuff behind them and they come to you like with this project. You have I can imagine you'd have a little bit of this like oh what can I say no to and what can I say what I want to do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so it kind of makes, I don't know, it's, it's a weird weird point to be in in yeah. it, but also, like, you don't want to be disrespectful. No, not at all. But you don't, you don't want to be stepped on, either. No, so it, it was... Uh,
0: but at the time, I didn't even think, oh, I don't want to be stepped on. It was just, oh, my God, I want to just... I have this opportunity. Yeah. I, want to, I want to jump on it and take it. So I, I just said yes. And even now, when I think back, I'm like, you dummy. Why'd you, why did you just say yes? Because I probably could have even talked to them about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, just broach the subject and let's dialogue about this and maybe figure something out uh but no i just decided to be the workhorse and and do this so i would ink spawn for 10 11 hours a day and then i would spend uh three hours on uh pencils and three hours on inks so i would uh, and then i would lay out tomorrow's page so i would do my spawn pencil hiding in time ink hiding in time and then do a thumbnail for tomorrow's hiding in time page right before i went to bed and i crash out sleep for like six hours get up Start over the whole again. thing gotcha. over again. All
1: right. All right, so done with the embarrassing stuff because <laughs> okay. we all know you how much you love hiding in time. Everyone out there, rush to your local comic book store and get to this point when you can't find the 3,000 copies that, that they have.
0: Before we move on, that I'm not embarrassed of the book for any other reason than my art, personally. Christopher Long, who's the writer and an old friend of mine, uh, great story. He made the whole thing happen. Uh, we had a great colorist. It was his first project, a young kid Igor Naronha, who's from South America, and they all did bang-up jobs. It was I'm embarrassed by my by my
1: personal work on that. So that's why that's why I cringe when you pull it out for me to uh, sign at the convention. Yes. So, because no one else is here with me, I did surprise Ryan uh, with the book. Um, had to find it first off, uh, which was the hard part in the mass amount of stuff that I have. Uh, But I found it, um, waited until there's enough people around to make it embarrassing. (laughs) Not like one of those moments like, hey, Ryan, you're not doing anything. Can you sign this for me? He, he, he. It's, hey, look, all these people looking at his awesome new book, Death Betty. Hey, why don't you sign this book that you never bring up to anybody? (laughs) Ah, so it was fun on a, you know... Uh, hey, can't wait to record now that I'm embarrassing in front of you know complete strangers you're trying to sell a brand new project to. Haha <laughs> That's what I do, kids. That's what I do. I love right. it. I love it. It was fun. It was good times. Uh,
0: I couldn't believe
1: it, though. So, anyways, we can... <laughs> so, uh, I thought about bringing all of them. I thought, eh, I had to conserve space. I'll just bring one. But that's neither here nor there. So, um, on to the more fun stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about the convention today, okay. as well as conventions in general ask some random questions, just joke around, we'll do a little bit of fun stuff, too. So my first question is, you've done quite a few different conventions. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing and least favorite thing about any convention you want? So I'll uh, start with my least favorite thing,
0: and this is where it, it sounds kind of snobby, but I really feel that a lot of these conventions need to have Easier access for an artist or exhibitor to get to their tables, uh, whether it's get, get going along the back routes that the uh, the staff uses, things like that. Uh, places like New York, if you're ten minutes late, you're taking it's taking you an hour to get from the front door to your table, and meanwhile, you know your artist alley table where people are lining up to get signatures and lining up to buy prints. And yeah, I was ten minutes late but I should, there should be some way that we can get us out there to yeah. the fans easier than just dropping us in the middle of the crowd. And I don't mean to sound snobby like, oh, comic artists should you know, be treated special. To me, it's really just about the logistics of making the convention a better experience for everybody. A better
1: flow. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't been to a convention as large as San Diego or never been to a convention at all, imagine um, the end of a assembly at your school. Where they're like, hey, cool, you get to go back. Everyone just gets up and walks in one direction. No order. No order whatsoever. It's just mass hysteria. Then you add in the person who sees something shiny on the roof, stop and just stare right in the middle of everyone's path. Mm-hmm. That's what it is all day long, but in 12 different directions.
0: And and, uh, oh, and strollers. You'll, you'll stop. You're wondering why the crowd stopped. You look up, and there's 12 people dressed as you know Matador Avengers, and everybody's taking their pictures. Exactly. Like and you're that. like, ugh.
1: And, I mean, San Diego by far has some of the biggest aisles, main aisles, of any convention I've ever been to. Um, some of the smallest actual aisles you'll ever see in a convention. Yes. Um, Phoenix has probably the best layout of the ones I've seen. They're especially over by where the Artist Alley is, where Ryan's booth is always set up and things like that. Huge area you can walk around. Even if there's a line building up in front of someone's booth, you can still get around them very exactly. easy. yeah. You still have the people who just stop and, like want to talk to their friends in the middle of a walkway but you can't you can't control idiots from being idiots but you can't only go move a little bit you know and they're like put well, them in the way it's dumb anyways so what are your what, are, what is your favorite thing about conventions meeting, any, any convention meeting people
0: i i meet so many interesting people uh you know there's everyone has their their convention horror stories about certain fans or certain types of people or this or that and anytime you're dealing with the public, you're gonna have that. But there's so many good fans in comics. There's so many good people in comics, and I, I, I don't mean that there's not good people in film or TV or anything. But this is my experience. And there's probably less in
1: film and TV. <laughs> really. um,
0: but there's uh, just a general everybody having fun, and there's so little. I don't know. That I'm. Other people probably feel different about it, but from my point of view. There's very little serious judgment going on of people. You know, we're all, like, if there's somebody in a goofy costume, he knows he's in a goofy costume, and and you laugh, and he smiles, and, 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 and this or that. So I just, I love when people come up to my table, and they don't know who I am. They didn't, they've never read any of my comics or heard of me. Maybe they're not into comics but I, I tend to meet interesting people that way and they come up and I, you know, I learn about them. We, we inform each other on what's going on. Maybe they'll go out and experience the con and come back and, 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 and share their experience with me. And it just opens up my mind and my, my heart to, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, I'm trapped in a room all the time yeah. by myself. It's me, a couple cats, and uh, my wife's in her office, which is down the hall. So, just to, to come out and meet people that, like, you weren't expecting to meet. I like the unexpected. So, I go out and there's all these, all different types. All different types. So I guess that's my favorite thing. Just meeting the different types of people.
1: So, the unexpected brings me to a question, uh, or to a story a little bit. Would you like to explain how you and I met for the first time? Oh, jeez. Wait. I'll set it up. Set it up. Okay. So, uh... Two years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago now, Phoenix Comic Con, 2012. 2012. Uh, there is this guy who's setting up his booth. It's on pre- the preview night-ish type thing, the half a day they do, which is Thursday at Phoenix Comic Con. Um, there he is. He's unpacking stuff. I, I from a distance like oh shit, that's awesome. He's got Batman up there. Uh, I think it was actually a Detective Comics one. Yes. I think. Was yeah, it, the the issue one, one cover yeah, with the skulls. I was like, that's dope. It's a virgin cover. Doesn't have the titles. Doesn't have any of it? That's super sick. Let's go talk this guy. So I walk up. There's this gentleman. He's talking to another person. He spins around like, oh, a new person. He says, mm-hmm.
0: "How's your?" Oh.
1: So he says he looks and goes, well, I don't want to say like, you know, how's your day going so far? I was like, well, how's your tomorrow? He just goes, that's genius. Can I use it? I was like, yes. So what I do is I give him my information and say, hey, if you ever do anything with it, just give me credit. That's all I want. That was the end of the first time we we really talked. You were busy putting your stuff up. Say, hey, we'll come back another time. We're here all weekend. Come no on. That entire weekend we came back, and what happened?
0: We had a blast. Yep, it was we fantastic. Had a fucking blast. Yep. Uh, I think the second time you walked up. Sorry, and sorry for stepping on your house nope, here tomorrow. Nope. I was gonna I was gonna say that yep. how's your day thing, and yep. then let you say that, but uh, but I was. Again, busy doing something under the table, and you just walked up, and I heard, how's your tomorrow? Yep, <laughs> and I knew immediately, I was like, hey, it's that, uh, that guy, Corey, Coney, Corey, Tony, one of those. And then I was like, Cody, because uh, then I looked down and read your name badge. Of course, Which yes. uh, I always fail to do with people. And no, it was you, Joe, and Mike. For, no, Mike was not no, there. It was, it was just, just you and Joe yep. at the time. Uh and no you guys you guys were great and you, you did the you did the thing that I like fans to do you not only were you fun and unexpected and we, we had a good time and our rapport was good but you went out and you you did your panels you went out saw panels saw people saw things and you came back and did great reporting to me yeah. you know and at the time I don't even think I knew you were doing a podcast at the no. time so it was the very very beginning of it but it was almost like I had my own private podcast yep. coming to my table and delivering all the the events uh, for me, and that, and that that was great. And then it was this this last year I finally fi- finally started listening, yep. and so. I've been
1: listening every week for the, the, the last six weeks. Now. And we thank you for that. So <laughs> that was a fun little story I thought we'd share with everybody um, on that because it was a uh, it was a good time, and it was uh, as everybody knows who knows me personally listens to this, it's exactly what I am all the time just ridiculous stuff comes out of my mouth and oh, yeah. happens that way yeah. as you know now because we know each other yeah. now so um, we'll go into that little bit uh, that was fun good story time uh, we are I think we'll keep it short a little bit um, so but first before we go uh, I want you to have a chance to go and plug uh, Death Betty for a little bit Okay. Um, tell the kids what it's about where they can get it uh, who's working on it we'll give Adam a shout out even though we don't have to because he didn't get his ass to San Diego but we'll, uh, we'll give him his due um, so in one second we'll go into that so we'll go give you some information where to get it from and we'll go from there what about Death Betty the book the uh, creator own book that you have uh, with your good friend Adam so let us know a little about that
0: yes Adam Jackman writer out of uh, LA and New York he and I are good friends and we came up with this a couple years ago and Death Betty is the story of Betty Blank who is a girl that dated death and uh, the things were okay for a while. And uh, then they weren't okay. They had a bad breakup. And our story jumps in well after the breakup. And what we, what the, where the story is taking us is uh, just all the... Uh, death is out there performing his daily duties. You know, he has to take lives. And that's what he's, he's doing. And uh, Betty's out there to stop him, no matter what it takes. Uh, the only thing is she's not really doing it to save lives. She's not really doing it to be a hero... Uh, she just really wants to piss him off fair enough and uh, as any real good
1: ex-girlfriend does yeah
0: yeah you know and and nothing's uh, more fun than watching a jilted lover you know uh, go after their ex of course yeah (laughs) Yeah. I I like I like fiery fights and things like that so it, it was I don't even know what it was born out of we we kind of just we came up with a, an image idea a poster and it was just kind of a fun thing and then we started we were sitting there in phoenix and we just started spitballing ideas and, and realized that like oh oh yeah this girl you know dated death this or that she's you know out to cause trouble i can't really give anything more i say spoils how we're of course, going to tell the story we want people to read it but the difference uh in this comic than most and i know everybody says that is uh we're doing it in short stories it's going to be like our zero issue that we have out right now available through Castle and Key publications. It's, uh, it's only one eight-page story, one four-page story, and then we have a five-page backup for another project of mine that's coming up later this year. And we kind of, you know, issue one is going to be a full 20 pages, but it's going to be broken into a 12-page story, an eight-page story, and then, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to do 24 pages, uh, 12 pages, eight pages, and then a four-page. And we're just going to do little vignettes of their either adventures or her thwarting his, his, oh gosh, Adam has some great terms. Uh, I think he, death is, he calls them takings and she calls stopping him mistakings. Okay. All right. So she's out to cause mistakes. Gotcha. (laughs) Sort of the, sort of the, the fun playing words I think Adam came up with. I, he, uh, he'll correct me on the next podcast if he ever gets his ass out to a convention. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um,
0: so yeah, uh, it's that's it. It's the story of yeah, jilted love. I, I was joking with someone that it's uh, Kill Bill with Wiley e. Coyote and uh, and the Roadrunner if they had dated, you know. Fair enough. So Fair. so it's uh, it's a weird world where everyone wears hoodies and they all have logos on their shirts, which is sort of a, a representation of their emotions on their sleeve, in a sense. All our characters we're trying to make them more like. Uh, greek archetypes in a sense where it's a this character is actually representing an emotion or mythological figure or an idea instead of just being this like a uh, regular person gotcha. um and we've had help in that world or creating
1: this world with uh, john francois bell colors now Which, if you go we'll give you everything you look at it gorgeous gorgeous color schemes in this it's it's got weird warmth when you don't normally expect to see it in a way yeah but like it everything pops off the page in such a dramatic way and then you like to say uh your little thing about the um normally you see a lot of blacks in it yes
0: uh so the white is, is the
1: new black yep. for us um where there's
0: so much white in this book everything anywhere where it's not shiny white I know a lot of people they hate the like when superheroes get colored and it's like the shiny white everything was shiny uh it's, it's not like that it's, it's just everything's sort of just coated in, in, in white everything feels lighter everything feels I almost feel it makes it slightly ethereal yeah uh, it definitely makes that world its, it's own world like we're not trying to recreate our world at all like we've created this I shouldn't say we I started it and Johnny just took it out there on his own and you know most people know him from coloring Rocket Raccoon and doing Scotty Young or coloring Scotty Young on uh, the Wizard of Oz books and things like that so he he was my first my, my first choice I was like okay gotta get gotta get Johnny he created a style for it and it just blew me away it, it was one of the most beautiful things it looks so different than anything else out there
1: and I couldn't be prouder of and it, it is gorgeous you'll see for yourselves so speaking of which before we go too far into it would you like to give them all the internet info where they can see more of it uh, more of you and other stuff like that too let's do it all right.
0: uh, you can get in contact or you can find me uh, email me anything you want at Ryan Wynn Win, sorry he's new at his name so give him a second so you can find me at ryanwin.com. you can email me through that you can uh, there's links to my DeviantArt page I've got a few different outlets there's my you can contact me through Twitter at, at Ryan Wynn uh, you can contact Betty at Twitter at DeathBetty.com and DeathBetty.com is also up and running. We have little snippets from the book, and uh, we're going to be posting our T-shirts and, and posters and things like that in the next coming uh, in the next few weeks. Oh, and you can email me at ryan at ryanwynn.com. Nice easy email.
1: And then uh, we should give Adam a little bit of a shout out too. Oh yeah,
0: I'd actually like to quick shout outs to. Adam Jackman, my writer and co-creator on the book, he's just doing a phenomenal job. He's a great comedian. There's some serious good laughs in here, but the laughs are also brought by the amazing lettering we have from our editor and letterer, Joshua Cozine, who he's been known as an editor at Top Cow, which is where I met him. He's an editor-in-chief at Stranger Comics. and. Uh, He brings real comic timing to the book, and it's published through Castle and Key Publications, castleandkeypublications.com, which is run by Jay Gonzo, who's an excellent friend, and you should check out his book, La Mano del Destino. It's an amazing tale of a luchador wrestler and his revenge, so we're both kind of working on revenge stories. Only his book, I describe it as Jack Kirby Grindhouse. And it's printed on old newsprint with offset lithography, and it's just a beautiful book. And you can read all three issues at at castleandkeypublications.com.
1: Excellent. All right, so uh, that's it for this. Hope everyone had fun. Um, I did. I'm sure you did, bringing up old memories and fun stuff like that. (laughs) So, uh, again, real quick, uh, to, to wrap it up, Thank you, Ryan, for uh, spending some time with us. Thank you, Cody. Um, it was a good time. Uh, there will be little edits in here because of, you know, where we're at and things like that. But don't worry. We'll, I'll take care of all that. Don't worry. You don't have to worry yourself about Make that, Make it Ryan. smooth. Yeah. But, uh, again, so um, check out Ryan's stuff. I will have all that in the show notes on all the different places we post it through iTunes and stuff like that. So you can if you don't catch it while we're talking about it on the show... You can always go back and look it up on the show notes, and I'll have links to all the websites and all the comics and stuff like that, so you can check them out. But that's it for us. Uh, I will say goodbye for this episode. It comes naturally. Um, Mike and Joe, I'm sure, will say goodbye in their own little way. We miss you, Mike and Joe. Yes, we do. So uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, Check us out. And remember, uh, well, whatever happens comes naturally. See you guys later.